Hey, this is Tim McCurdy, and welcome to Vine Pairs Cocktail College, a weekly deep dive into classic cocktails that goes beyond the recipe with America's best bartenders. What can we say about the margarita? Well, in the words of today's guest, there's so much to say about the margarita. Delicious, versatile, almost impossible to mess up, the margarita is immensely popular and owns numerous iconic riffs. This is a drink that's just as much at home in chain restaurants and bars as it is in a craft cocktail setting, perhaps even more so. Today's guest has extensive experience mixing margs in all of those settings. The proprietor of Polite Provisions, Boilermaker and Raised by Wolves, Eric Castro is also host of the award-winning podcast, Bartender at Large. For many years, the margarita literally paid Eric's bills. The cocktail also proved to be the bridge between working in chains and becoming one of the most respected names in American mixology. Eric's enthusiasm towards the margarita is therefore entirely understandable, but also, as you'll soon find out, absolutely infectious. Welcome to Vine Pairs Cocktail College and Eric Castro. Welcome to the show. Brother, it's a pleasure to be here. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for joining us today. Um, I'm excited to chat with you about the margarita, which is going to be a big one for us. But I'll say this too beforehand, a little bit of nerves on my side here because we've had it once or twice before, but you know, you are the host of a, a fantastic podcast yourself too. So I'm feeling kind of, I don't know, under pressure here in the host seat today. <laughs> so go easy on me. <laughs> now, I just need to remind myself that I'm the guest and I'm not the host. So I'll do my best to, to pipe down and be quiet. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. The whole, the whole idea here is, if anything, is you get to take more of the lead today. Um, but yeah, today's topic, Cocktail College, the Margarita. I mean, what can we say about this drink? Um, historically, well, not historically, modern, modern day, this is one of the most popular cocktails in the world. I believe somewhere I've seen a study where like American drinkers are even willing to pay more for their margarita versus other cocktails. That's how much they love it. They've done this study. So this is, this is an incredibly popular drink. Um, is that something that within your incredible experience behind the bars, that's something you, you experience so often, just the, the popularity of the Marg, any initial thoughts to get us, to get us going here? I guess, oh my God. Okay. You're gonna have to stop me because I'm probably going to fill the entire 45 minutes to talk about <laughs> this one aspect of the Margarita. And there's so much to say about the Margarita. And the reason why I feel like it's has such a, it's captured such a massive mind share of the global drinking population is not only is it delicious, not only is it, you know, very flexible in regards to, to the occasion that you drink it. But one of the most important parts is it's almost impossible to mess up. And by that, I mean, the recipe is intensely forgiving. You can really muck it up and it'll still taste pretty good. Nice. You know, say for instance, a lot of other, you know, classic cocktails, like, you know, uh, I'm trying to think, you know, something like a last word. Yeah. Um, you know, if you don't make it right, too much chartreuse, too little chartreuse, the drink is completely out of balance. Even something like a pina colada is easy to really make too, too sweet. Um, a mojito, eh, a mojito is a little more flexible as well. Mm -hmm. But I feel like something with a margarita, you could put orange juice in it. You could hit it with a splash of Sprite. You can do lemon juice, lime juice. Any permutation you can think of, shoot, you can forget an ingredient. You can forget the triple sec curacao and it'll still work. I mean, look at the Tommy's margarita. It's every bit as delicious as the classic. Yeah. And they completely left out an ingredient. I mean, think about that. You know, if you were to make a Manhattan and forget one of the ingredients, it would be utterly forgettable. And do you think, you know, you make a mojito and forget the mint and it's utterly forgettable. I wonder, therefore, and, and that goes back to your initial point. I wonder if that has just been. The, the fuel for the popularity of the margarita, the fact that, like you say, 
you can fuck it up or basically you don't need to be entirely and highly skilled to get a pretty good version of it out there so therefore it can be made in a ton of bars and it can be made in like Mm -hmm. bars of all different levels and it remains just this this refreshing fruity wonderful cocktail and it's always pretty tasty right you know as long as you don't forget the tequila you can honestly pretty much replace any of the other ingredients that's yeah right i mean what other drink can you say that about and so what are you looking for? Okay, so this is a drink that can be made, you know, to very varying standards and still be good. But what about a perfectly mm-hmm. executed margarita? Because that's what we're all about at Cocktail College. What are you looking for first when it comes to an ideal version, the ideal version of this drink? I mean, obviously, for something like this, like just balance. You know, you're you're looking for, for balance. You're not trying to hide the flavor of the tequila. I think a lot of times when someone's, I guess, newer to the margarita, like a newer bartender or a home bartender, they're trying to mask it with, with citrus and, and fruit purees and what have you. Yep. And it kind of loses what makes it so beautiful in the first place, and, and that's the agave. So you want to make sure that you're showcasing the agave, that, that you know, it's like, I guess the best way to, to, to think about it is the, the tequila is the lead singer. Yep. Make no mistake about yeah. it. It is the star of the show. And then, you know, the other ingredients are like, you know, uh, like the the bass player mm-hmm. and the drums and the guitarist. But at the end of the day, the tequila is the star. I love that. You know, the the, the tequila is the Diana Ross of the Supreme Margarita. <laughs> right? And you got this real solid it, backing band there too that's just like steady, just tight. Yeah, and then all the other ingredients in harmony will, will showcase it. And I mean... You could say that about most classic cocktails, but I feel like with with the margarita, it, it's even more important, mm-hmm. especially because the margarita is actually the vehicle that most people try tequila for the first time, you know, yeah. aside from, you know, shooting some mixto with, with a little bit of salt and lime. Yeah. It, it's the vehicle for it. And the thing is, there's so many people out there who honestly aren't even tequila lovers. They don't even consider themselves tequila aficionados. But the margarita is all they drink. Yeah. Yeah, would totally agree. I there. know people. I've met tons of people who they don't drink any cocktails except margaritas. They don't drink vodka tonics. <laughs> they don't drink gin tonics. They don't drink Manhattans. When they go to a bar, all they order is a margarita. Oh, I mean, that, I mean, so these are, these are all really backing up some of the initial points that we've made. And yeah, like I say, I completely agree with you there. And also, I think not only is it that, people don't often, you know, ve- relatively few people graduate onto other tequila cocktails even if they do like other cocktails right if they're drinking there's no reason to right there there really there really are few other classics out there or modern classics with tequila that really you know kind of do make it worthwhile stepping away from the mark i mean really the closest one that would be next the closest would be the paloma and that is a distant distant second to the point where i don't even think most people have ever heard of that. no aside from you know uh like people who love craft cocktails and, and the like. But the thing is, those people don't get bored with drinking that one cocktail because the margarita is subject to endless permutations. Mm-hmm. So you never get bored of it. You could have a strawberry margarita, a blended margarita, a Tommy's margarita, a Cadillac margarita. There's so many endless permutations that you could go to a tequila bar and drink nothing but margaritas there and never have the same one twice. The margarita has become a brand within itself. Yes, it's practically a category. And I actually, those are, those are all things that I want to get into soon, but I think let's, let's break down the classic first in that ideal iteration of it from yourself, starting with the ingredients and starting of course, with that tequila, the star of the show. So what are you thinking about yourself when you're making this cocktail? When it comes to tequila, um, whether it's like, you know, m- most folks will know there's three, four styles of tequila, five arguably these days that yeah. are very popular. What are you going for and what are you looking for from the particular bottle that you're reaching for? If I'm reaching for one, I'm reaching for a Blanco. I pretty much exclusively, exclusively use Blancos in my margaritas. I mean, to the point where I don't even remember last time. Maybe you could put a Repo in there. Yeah. You know, if, if you were headed in that direction. But for the most part, I'm exclusively Blanco, and I like him to be a little bit more fiery because 
If you're using something a little too refined, it's gonna get lost when you add fresh lime juice, when you add, you know, your agave nectar or your, you know, triple sec curacao, whatever you add to the mix. Yeah. You don't wanna use something honestly that that that's too refined. You know, you're you're using a bottle that's I don't know, you know, seventy five dollar bottle seventy five dollars a bottle for a seven fifty, you don't need to put that tequila yep. with lime juice and, and uh, triple sec curacao and, and the like. I honestly recommend people to use something around like the $25 mark, the 25 to 18 yep. when making a margarita. Cause you want, uh, you, you want it to be, I guess, a, you want it to be a little spicier of a take. And where does so that, that spice it, it works come better from? The cocktail. What, what, what are you, when you're describing spice there, you're clear. I mean, you might not be uh, talking specifically. I about didn't that. necessarily mean the literal exactly. sense. Exactly. So, so more in the sense of like, just something with a little kick to exactly. it. Exactly. And where does that come? Where does that flavor sort of stand in your head? Are we talking like the vegetal kind of peppery notes from it, from raw agave versus kind of cooked agave when you think of that spectrum of flavors? And are there any bottles at that kind of price point that you particular would recommend or reach for? Um, for making this. Oh, yeah. Th th there are some great ones out there. There's some, I mean, honestly, uh, Pueblo Viejo is mm -hmm. great. Um, you know, Omeka Altos. Oh, man. That, that's a good I one. I mean, I think there's so many. Th there's no shortage of great ones in that price point, which is fills me with joy if you really think about it. I think Omeka Altos almost in itself kind of tastes a little bit like a margarita. And I've said this to people before and mm -hmm. handed it to them. I, I, I get the almost the kind of um that that real vegetal almost kind of like a jalapeno briny note to it but there's 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 almost a, a limey finish to it. almost a bit of salt to it there, already there, there well. is yeah so it reminds me it's yeah, like the salinity to yeah, it yeah when you drink it on its own you're like yeah i already know what i'm doing this and you know this is the preview to the drink and i think it's wonderful which is wild when you think about the cocktail and why i think it works so well is because tequila oftentimes yeah blanco will taste like lime peel and, and have the salinity to it, which gives it a taste of like salty lime already. So it, it almost tastes like a margarita already with the citrus notes that you would get from, you know, the fresh lime in the, in the curse. Yeah. And then, so obviously two, these are, these are components. These are factors from the flavor profile that you start to lose with the influence of Oak, Reposado, Añejo, all the rest of them, high, you know, higher age, Cristalino. What about Reposado though? Because something I always find it can yeah. work. It can work. I mean, it, if you're using one that I feel like is a has hasn't spent quite a lot of time in the barrel, you know, if it's just hopping around just around the two month mark, you should be fine. Mm -hmm. You know, I probably wouldn't use one that was maybe had been aged for like you know, ten or eleven yep. months. I mean, honestly, you never know. There are always exceptions. I can't think of any off the top of my head, but there are always exceptions. And also within just Blanco itself, you're gonna get some bottlings that that lean way too more way too much towards vanilla sweetness and you're like i don't need this i'm getting that a from other components of the drink and b this is not really natural for tequila i mean people love them it's yeah. fine whatever but it's not it's not the perfect candidate for this drink right mm -hmm. yeah definitely i definitely wouldn't reach for like you know um an extra anejo or something yeah that's like you know 150 bottles a dollars a bottle or actually probably more like 250 nowadays yeah, you're, you'd be a fool if you put that in a margarita. And tequila, tequila, the category itself too, like you say, it's 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 going wild. We're, we're getting people, you know, these limited edition bottlings, unicorn bottles. It is going crazy. And, and probably, like we were saying at the beginning, partly in thanks to the popularity of the Marg, because I think the Marg has been this, yeah. this, this vehicle for the category. It is everybody's introduction to tequila, or everyone's introduction to agave spirits and Mexican distillates. Mm -hmm. It's the ultimate gateway drug in regards to, to <laughs> agave spirits. It's wild. And yeah, it's so accessible too. Yeah, it's dangerous. So moving on then mm -hmm. to, to, to the next component, which would be, you know, kind of our triple sec, uh, you know, orange liqueur, curacao. What, what are you looking for there? And what are some of your considerations? What are some of your preferences for, for this aspect of the cocktail? I'm going to flat out come out and say it. Yeah. I think the Cadillac Margarita gets a bad rap. I think Cadillac Margaritas are delicious when they're made well. Interesting. I like to make them almost like Tommy style and then a float of Grand Marnier on top. I think they're delicious. Nice. And I'll dare anybody who who thinks otherwise to give it a try. And can you describe that for anyone listening who's not 
particularly familiar with this this iteration of the this riff on the drink. Well, see, the Cadillac Margarita was one of those drinks that it got really popular at El Torito, I think in like, I don't know, the 70s and the 80s. And what it really was is, you know, people would, you know, they, the way they were making then, to be honest, was probably just like, um, you know, whatever tequila they had. I know it was really popular to make them with 1800. I don't know if that was the original tequila using it, but the way I was taught to make them was it had to be 1800 sour mix, shaken, salt rim, and then float of Grand Marnier on top interesting that's that's yeah. such a wacky combination right there but popular yeah 20 years ago if you made somebody a a cadillac margarita and you didn't grab 1800 they'd be like whoa whoa hey i, I, ordered, <laughs> I ordered a cadillac <laughs> and you know what that was a mixto that was a mixto so that was that did have a, a bit of color to it so I, I i think maybe that's why a lot of people would would reach for um a repo or something mm -hmm. just out of habit and mixed without and, realizing and where the sour mix from, as well you know these are these are two mm -hmm. you know almost four letter words that we're talking about in, in a modern lexicon but popular incredibly yeah. popular but to go back therefore to to the, the 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 component i guess most often we do see cointreau being used um is is that is is this a component of the drink that you care too much about where you when you are making the margarita in its classic form i do I think that I think Quantra works great in margarita. I honestly, th this might be sacrilegious uh, to a lot of folks, but me, you know, being from California, uh, me being from California, having lived in San Francisco, and coming up in the craft cocktail scene in that era, I tend to drink Tommy's margaritas the most when I'm making one for myself. Interesting. I mean, it's, it's yeah, it's, Tommy's margarita is generally my go-to, uh, and then even when if not, I generally like our house margarita, at, you know. Uh, is a mixture of the classic with Cointreau and agave nectar. So it's almost like a Tommy's traditional margarita where it's a, a little bit of Cointreau, a little bit of agave syrup, lime shaken. Fantastic. But clearly rocks. not something yeah. then. So that aspect of the drink, clearly not something that you're, that you're overly, that, 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 you know, that you think it's sacrilegious to get rid of or that you, no. you know, like, yeah, that's, that's, that's not, but, essentially in its classic form we're, we're bringing it in there for a form of sweetness and a little bit of fruitiness too right like with the orange the orange mm -hmm. flavor and that's what it's doing there and then of course we're adding acidity and citrus via lime um any things you want to share about lime? i've even told people i've even told people i'm glad you brought this up i would rather have a margarita with fresh lime juice and you know mixto tequila than a really nice Blanco with sour mix. Because that cocktail especially gets its vibrancy and comes to life with the fresh lime juice. Without fresh lime juice, the drink is is almost not worth drinking. Mm -hmm. That's that's so interesting. Um and, and and any things in terms of like the freshness of your lime juice or considerations, any tips out there for us, anything we should be thinking about when we're preparing our limes for this or um, or, or any other drinks? I mean, you want it to be as fresh as possible. Uh, I haven't mentioned this yet, but where I got my oats, where I sowed my oats in regards to craft cocktails was at a tequila bar in Sacramento, maybe about 15 years mm -hmm. ago. Before this, I'd already been bartending. I'd worked in restaurants and nightclubs, bowling alleys, whatever, what you name it. And I thought I was this hot shot bartender. I thought I was like, you know, thought I knew everything there was to know about, about bartending. But I didn't know anything about craft cocktails. And I was so stupid, I didn't even know that I didn't know anything about craft cocktails. So when I started working at the tequila bar, all of a sudden they're like, oh, hey, here's you know a lime press, and then here's agave nectar and some Blanco. You're going to be making Tommy's margaritas. And I was like, wait, what? Wait, I'm supposed to squeeze this? I'm supposed <laughs> to squeeze the juice out of a lime? What, am I, are we like making ceviche or something? You guys are crazy. And then, you know, then I made my first one, and I straw tasted it. It was like, oh, my God, this is divine whole new world it it completely blew my mind wide open and then at that point i was like wait what else you know don't i know about you know what what is it what about fresh lemon juice and fresh orange juice and you know what's house made grenadine mm -hmm. why would i stir a manhattan next thing you know you know I, I joined the usbg which is the united states bartenders go for a lot of people out there don't know and then i just nosedived into the world of craft cocktails after that and, and never came back and it was all really because of the tommy's margarita so the margarita, in, in many ways, it made my career. That's so interesting. And I made them all day. 
I worked in a bar. It was a really, really popular tequila bar where, you know, I'm talking just like me and three other bartenders. We would do like $25,000 of like, you know, $9 margaritas. Fresh squeezed. We just get rocked. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's wild. And that doesn't count food. That was just margaritas with maybe the occasional caprini or mojito or something sprinkled That's in. That's wild. Yeah, it's nuts. And so let's let's move on to the Tommies there then. And one thing that I was going to ask you about that this is kind of geeky, but mm -hmm. is the Tommies margarita actually a margarita? Because we look at the margarita, if we're breaking it down into the kind of classic families of cocktails, right? The margarita's a, a daisy and the Tommies is is a sour, right? Like it almost shares more in common in some respects with, with a daiquiri than, than a traditional mark. Here's the thing, and this is where it gets, you know, would get controversial, where, where it would get deeply into the semantics, where it is the, is the margarita a daisy? I mean, it obviously is, you know, my mother's name is Margarita. Mm -hmm. um, so I, it, it's a name I've, I've known since, since you know, one of, one of the first names mm -hmm. I ever knew. Well, at that point, I was Connor Mom, to be, to be fair. <laughs> but but the margarita means daisy in Spanish. So the margarita, you know, for those of you out there that don't know, the daisy is a very, very loosely divine style of sour, where its sweetening agent was generally in the form of yellow chartreuse, triple sec curacao, raspberry, or grenadine. And it oftentimes had a splash of soda, but not always. Sometimes on crushed ice, sometimes served up. You know, it was a little more flexible in that respect. But it's very loosely defined. But the margarita is a daisy. But the Tommy's margarita, which is a margarita, is not a daisy. No, definitely not. Right? So, yeah, I've often heard people describe the Tommy's margarita as, as a, um, you know, a... A tequila daiquiri. It is. I mean, what if I, what if I in, went in uh, many ways? What if I went into the bar and just said said to the guy or whoever whoever's behind the bar, I go, "Hey, yeah, can I get a tequila daiquiri, please?" And feel free to sweeten it with agave syrup. <laughs> but then, but then we're getting to the point where yeah. the, does the sweetener, since since the sweetener is not flavor neutral, that puts it more on par with a honey syrup, or uh, or a grenadine or a jacques. Yep rather than just a straight simple syrup. Yeah, we're 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 breaching uncharted territory here. But that's something that I you wanted to, to 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 ask you about going into the the conversation with the Tommy. But then it becomes a conversation where does changing the sweeten agent from simple syrup or even better, if you made a daiquiri with agave nectar, not a flavor neutral one, but like a proper quality agave nectar, mm -hmm. would that still be a daiquiri? Is it a or would it be a daiquiri variation? Would it be if you serve that to somebody who is a daiquiri purist? Would they say, "Hey, whoa! You just put, you know, an unprocessed agave nectar in there." That's not. Oh, I, I, that's not. A I, I definitely think at that point, yeah, you're the they're especially daiquiri enthusiasts. Yeah, they're saying no, get out of right? here. Right? Yeah, that's what I mean. So then it becomes. But see, but the thing is, the Tommy's margarita is not a daisy. So it's this, it's this but whole it is other, a margarita. it's this whole other style that stands on its own. And I think, would you agree that mm -hmm. maybe modern day within the industry, within enthusiasts or whatever, is, is that the one, the version that's preferred by the majority? Um, clearly, clearly yourself, you lean more towards that than the classic style, but would you say that's become the case? And can, can you talk us through your preparation of that drink and anything you're thinking about, I guess, basically with the agave syrup, because we've covered the other two ingredients. So a Tommy's Margarita, oh my God, I've, I've made so many of these. I, I've made, I used to make so many of these mm -hmm. that w when I would put them in the, the juicer, the hand press, I wouldn't even, I would never even pull the lime out. I would, I, you know, I would add the lime, squeeze it, and then I would just pop it, pop it open and the lime wedge would fly, you know, three feet and go into the trash can behind mm -hmm. me. And then it would just, this would happen all night long. <laughs> And God forbid a bar back or any unlucky soul that happened to walk between me and the trash can because they would just get pummeled with, with flying spent lime shells. Crazy. It was just a reflex. You just get so good. The, the first, you know, uh, you know, couple of weeks doing that, you're making most of them, missing some. After that, you could nail that thing from, you know, you could nail the trash can from like 30 feet away without even looking. <laughs> but so the, Tommy's Margarita, the way we made them, you know, we made it uh, in agave syrup, which was about... Uh, about uh, three parts 
agave nectar to two parts hot water. Okay. And then at that point, then we would just, you know, squeeze a half a lime. You're aiming for about, you know, three quarter ounce. Mm-hmm. And then a three quarter ounce agave nectar, or sorry, agave syrup, couple ounce tequila, shake, dump. That's it. And you're dumped. You, this is yeah. your dump. Actually, wait, at this point, we, we weren't dumping. We were, we were, we had, you know, just regular, I guess, hotel deli ice, what we refer to it as. Mm-hmm. So we would shake and then strain over new ice. If I'm making this with cold draft, I dump. I do a party pour. Okay. And and what's what's the thinking you know, behind that? So you're you're for anyone listening as well, not familiar with the term, you're using the same ice in the drink that you've shaken the cocktail with to dilute yeah. and chill. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. The the party pour it, it just it, it sounds nicer that way, you know. <laughs> Pretty much you're just shaking and you're pouring out the entire contents. The reason why though is because I feel like that drink it helps to have the ice cubes a little bit beat up mm-hmm. when when it's served. If you try to fine strain it over brand new ice cubes, I feel like it just doesn't work as well. Yeah. It's a punchy cocktail. It's just, yeah. You need to have the, the dilution already going because here's the thing. Here's the thing about, about the margarita. And I feel like, you know, oftentimes, you know, I guess every few years people start talking about food pairing with cocktails. Yep. It becomes kind of hot and popular and then it kind of fades away as you know the wine people and the you know fancy beer people get angry about it (laughs) right on it it happens it's cyclical it's cyclical but there are some drinks there are very few drinks that are made to pair with food and are and and are heighten the situation of of which are served and the margarita is one of them the margarita is perfect for serving with mexican food obviously because it's acidic so it can cut through fatty food it, it it can stand up to um to you know Mexican flavors tend to be very bold Mexican cuisines very bold, uh, and the margarita can can match that and compare that and can also match the spice of the food. I'm a big believer that you can't separate the cuisine from the culture, mm-hmm. and expect to understand the both of them. And I feel like the margarita perfectly and beautifully exemplifies that. That's such a great point, and and also an, another kind of tick in the box of the Tommy's versus the, you know, the, the, the classic Marg, which is that having a little bit more body, a little bit more flavor, I would argue, um, that does lend itself more to, to the cuisine. I mean, both incredible, mm-hmm. both incredible combinations, but just imagining having one in my hand right now, you know, with that ice in there and just, yeah, it's a, it's a wonderful. Combo. Oh, brother, you're sitting down at a table. You got a big plate of carne asada in front of you. You know, you got tortillas, beans, rice, and a margarita in your right hand. You are in a good place. You've made key life decisions to end up there. <laughs> and you can just keep both of them coming. It's just a perfect example of of a drink representing the culture that spawned mm-hmm. it. And just to look back at those serves briefly. So, obviously, you said, you know, the party pour for the Tommies, the classic margarita, that's, is that something you're serving up? And what about salt rims or spice rims on glasses? How do you feel about that? I like the salt rim. I am a fan of the salt yeah. rim. Because it's also, I mean, you're turning it into an energy drink. I'm sorry. You're turning it into a sports drink at that point. Yes. You know, you're replacing electrolytes. Mexico's hot. A lot of, a lot of the country's desert, high desert, you know, coastal. It, it's humid as you get closer to the equator. And there's something nice about about having a refreshing drink with a little bit of salt that that, that you can um taste periodically throughout your mm-hmm. drink. And do you think this also speaks to the fact of the margarita not being too precious either, right? Like Oh imagine, no. it's, it's it's not it's not it's not a fussy cocktail. No. And like, you know, imagine you talk about a salt or a flavored rim with with a daiquiri enthusiast and people are like, "No, you know, like we're going we're going to such attention to detail to find the balance within the glass there." That what am I doing putting anything? The, in the daiquiri room? is very unforgiving. Yes, partly because it's not served over ice. And by the way, I mean the classic daiquiri served up. Mm-hmm. Since it's not served over ice, more of the flaws became become a little more glaring. Mm-hmm. Because if it's a touch too sweet, and it's served up, it'll become cloying really quickly. Mm-hmm. But if the margarita's a touch sweet. It's over ice, so it's picking up a little dilution to loosen it up, and, and it was garnished with a lime wedge, which you can squeeze and drop in. Voila, drink is fixed. <laughs> and you know, you a know? little pinch of salt as well, if that's on the rim, that's always making everything a little bit better, right? I'm telling you, because also it's just like you can free pour margaritas all day long, 
and they're always going to be pretty good. I've seen recipes for a margarita that call for equal parts, and guess what? It, it, they're actually still pretty good. Mm-hmm. I mean, would I order a second one? Not necessarily. Am I going to make it like that at home? Yeah, but it's not bad. So what about, you mentioned at the top, other riffs. We've, we've gone deep into the Tommies. One that I really want to hear about as well is the, the frozen margarita, because this is, you know, I don't too often go for frozen cocktails, but this is one that I will try and put the effort in at home to like really perfect. How do you feel about frozen margs? And do you have any tips when it comes to just, I guess, creating a very potent but refreshing version of that drink? Well, here's the thing about about frozen margaritas, and I feel like it's or, or frozen drinks, period. And it's something people need to come to terms with and become okay with. As you mentioned, as I mentioned earlier, um, when a drink, the closer drink gets to room temp, the sweeter it appears, and then it, it, the the reverse works as well. The colder it gets, the drier it feels in regards to to our perception of the sweetness. Mm-hmm. You know, I guess the best example is, you know, um, ice cream, when you're eating, it doesn't necessarily seem too sweet. Right. But if you allow it to melt, oh man, it'll, it can become very, very sweet, which is why a lot of little kids, they actually will take their spoon and they'll, they'll whip it. They'll introduce kinetic force until it melts. And then they eat it when it's melted it's because they prefer it because it's sweeter. Interesting. Yes. You know, or the, their perception of it's sweeter at mm-hmm. least. So the reason why, I, why I, I mentioned all that is because frozen cocktails need to be a little bit sweeter. You need to add a little more sugar to them. And it, it's always surprising for a lot of people, but you do, um, if, for instance, if yeah, Tommy's margarita, I mentioned two, three quarter, three quarter, you know, if you were to, to serve that frozen, it would just taste like pure booze and citrus. Mm-hmm. You would have to kick up that, that agave nectar, right? you know, or the, the agave syrup. Don't feel bad about that because that's the way it's going to work when, when it's, um, I might even throw in something like orange juice or something, maybe a splash of orange juice to kind of stretch it out a little bit. Nice. And what about, you know, like freezing lime juice as as cubes and using that as half of your ice before you know is that is that something you're i don't know you might make it really tart just just in terms of like trying to trying to fight the dilution there or something or maybe just freeze the freeze the orange juice rather than 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 using ice cubes or maybe some lime sorbet yeah we used to have a cocktail uh, at raised by wolves that was essentially like a sparkling uh margarita that had lime sorbet in it oh my god it was so a good sparkling brother. margarita tell us about that yeah so it was called the 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 baller's margarita the baller's margarita Love yeah it already. And, and what we did was we we took you know when we would juice our limes before we would juice our limes we we would take all the zest from them and then we made a house made lime sorbet and then we took you know a little bit of uh you know citrus blanco tequila liqueur 43 and some of that sorbet and and champagne oh man and then blended that put it in a flash blender and then just put in them uh, pour it in the glass with, with uh um, is that retaining some of its fizz then yes oh my god yes that's the thing because it was in a flash blender you know the hamilton beach ones that oh they use at, yeah like, you yeah know, tropical bars and tiki bars yeah so it was only hit for like three seconds if that maybe two seconds just to bring everything to solution so it still had the fizz that sounds amazing. Oh my man, it was absolutely lovely. And the, the, the flavors of champagne, like not something, you know, like the margarita is forgiving. It will bring a lot in, but champagne is not somewhere I would have gone um, in my mind. But now that you mentioned that, I'm like, yeah, I need to try that. Oh, and it was wonderful. It was like the, um, the uh, I said sorbet, but it was actually a sherbet. Um, it was like lime zest, orange zest, caster sugar. A little bit of cream, orange flower water. It was made in house. Oh, brother, it was delicious. Sounds amazing. And then th- that that played the um the, the role of of more or less like the the citrus and sweetener in the drink. And here's a question, therefore, when it comes to operating bars and and looking at the other side of things, which are managing you know basically your bottom line and and making sure that people are ordering a wide variety of drinks from the menus and that your bar is popular, right? Like. Does the very nature of having margarita in the name ensure that a certain percentage of people are just going to try this cocktail, whatever's in it? Because it's people will try it. People will try it if it has margarita in it. Though I think that's the case with pretty much any classic for the most part, especially with the margarita, because people at least have a vague um, idea, not even vague, actually a a fairly articulate version of what they're going to get. I mean, if you look back, you know, 15 years ago, 10 years ago, how many margarita variations there were in regards to like, you know, chain restaurants and stuff. Yep. 
I, you know, I came up in chain restaurants. So I remember, I mean, I remember making Italian margaritas with Tuaca. Oh man. I remember making Jaegeritas uh, with, you know, fill in the blanks. Olive Garden. They use Amaretto in theirs. I think they have an Amaretto, Amaretto float yeah. on theirs. <laughs> yeah. 100%. And, and it always sold because it's like you're taking these flavors that necessarily weren't expected to work in the drink, but they always do. Because mm-hmm. the margarita is is a template and a formula that is intensely forgiving. And, and I'm going to come right out and say it. I think part of the reason why it's so forgiving is because it's not that creative of a cocktail. Right. It's not. Yeah. I mean, it's barely not a daiquiri. No one sat down. You know no what I mean? No one sat down in a in a craft cocktail setting to to come up with this drink. Do you know? What I mean, these are these are ingredients mm-hmm. that work together naturally. And yeah, yeah. So no one no one was doing that, right? No one was no one was thinking too hard about it, and they and. They came up with a formula like, yeah, this is, this slaps. It's amazing. What is your what is your preferred recipe, by the way, for for a classic margarita? Your ratios? Oh, for for a classic, I'll do ounce and a half blanco, three quarter, you know, uh, Cointreau, mm-hmm. three quarter lime, and then a half ounce agave nectar. Interesting. So, or agave syrup. Yeah. So you uh, and that's yeah. that three to two syrup that you mentioned earlier. Yeah, yeah. And uh, shaken, and then you know. Um, Shaken, party pour, salt rim. So you're not serving even your classic version up. You're not going for one of those elaborate glasses because the margarita is one of the few drinks out there that does have its own glass. But that ain't taking ice. Yeah, actually, well, we used to have these cactus glasses at Polite that we used uh, to serve our margaritas and people ate them up. Mm -hmm. But people steal them. That's the problem. (laughs) All of you out there, it's not okay to steal from bars. Just because you bought a drink. It's not okay to steal like a $10 glass because you had a $10 drink. Though, I will tell you, you have a more discerning listener. So I imagine your listeners here, you know, would never do such a thing. I'm sure folks have but, been But, you know, there are though. less scrupulous people out there. <laughs> I mean, just, hey, just go back to the bar and visit again. If you're enjoying drinking out of that glass, visit, hit up the bar again. Yeah, most likely they'll sell them. Just actually ask, hey, I really like this glass. How much for the glass? <laughs> That's awesome. So, Eric... Any other thoughts here that you've got on the on the margarita? Anything else you wanted to chat about today that we ha- we haven't already gotten into? I mean, honestly, I'm just warming up. I, I feel like you know that this episode could be another another hour and a half. <laughs> I'm here for it because I have so much to talk about. It's like I, the, the margarita is a drink that I have spent so much of my life thinking about <laughs> and making. That's what we love. You know, to hear for a long time, the margarita paid my rent. That's awesome. I you see the uh, you see the t-shirts out there, right? That you know that. There's a popular one that's like vodka sodas pay, pay the bills, but I think probably more accurate it is the mark. Yeah, it is the mark. So share some other and thoughts with us here I, then. Share, share some other musings on the mark. Here's the thing. I remember how you said there's people out there who aren't necessarily tequila drinkers, but they're strictly margarita drinkers. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people out in the world, especially we deal with it as bartenders in the spirits world, who they, they're one spirit people. You know, you'll have people who just like, oh, all I drink is vodka. And you're kind of in your mind like, okay, whatever, you're boring. Or someone's just like, oh, all I drink is scotch. And you kind of think to yourself, like, whatever, you're pretentious. <laughs> but then you meet people who say, oh, oh, darling, all I drink is tequila. And the first thing you think of, like, this person parts. Yes. <laughs> like, that's okay with me. If you only drink tequila, that's okay. Yep. Because those people out there know how to have a good time. You're, you're, yeah, you're turning up to party if that's, if that's, your, if that's your go-to. So any other any other thoughts, any other things in your notes that we haven't covered here on the Marg um, and anything else that's inspired? Yeah, I worked at Chili's for a week. I worked at Chili's for five days. And how was that? Because obviously Chili's is, yeah, and that's something we touched upon before, but this is, like you said, that, that chain drink and Chili's is the most notable of all yeah. of them, right? The Chili's the Chili's Marg. So tell us, what was that like? I was there for the staff meal, man. The staff meal was legit. <laughs> you know, I was eating like fajitas and stuff on my break. But see, here's the thing is, I got hired there, and I also got hired at that tequila bar in Sacramento. It's called Zocalo. I got hired at both of those places at the same time. So I was doing my trainings at the same time. Oh, man. And at one place, I'm learning about, you know, uh, um, agave and how it's harvested and how it's turned into tequila, and I'm making Tommy's margaritas. And then at the other place, you know, I'm serving fajitas and grabbing sour mix with maybe like an ounce and a quarter of mixto in the, in the drink. And 
already within those five days, I was like, no, my heart is in this one already. Cause I had already worked in chains for seven years before. And I was like, I'm not going back to that. Like I need to move in a new direction. And, and I've never looked back. So Eric, that's, that's been really cool, man. That's been wonderful. Um, how do you feel about heading into the final segment of the podcast? Our stock questions. Yeah, let's do it, man. Yeah. You ready for this? Feeling good? Yeah. And I should say that, as I mentioned at the top, we have had one or two folks on before that are, uh, that are kind of previous or, or also host podcasts, but this is the first time yes. that I'm offered the opportunity to sit down and chat on this show with a fellow LA spirits awards judge. So just want to say, yeah, hey, that's awesome. And say a shout out to, to the family there. They're, they're wonderful people. And to I had such a good time doing that. How great is it? It's wonderful. It was absolutely wonderful. Absolute best. I just hope next year we can do it in person with that's each other. That's the plan. That we can go grab a beer afterwards. That's going to be wonderful. I'm looking forward to it. So fellow judge right here wanted to, you, you know, wanted to make sure we we're giving a shout out to those guys. But fellow judge, let's, let's head into the questions, Eric Castro. And I'm going to hit you with the first one here. What style or category of spirit typically enjoys the most real estate on your back bar? Oh, this is... this is an easy one when it comes to my home bar and what's taking up the most real estate it's bourbon it's bourbon without a doubt i think mostly because honestly um whenever i grab a drink i generally leave the house because i'm you know i'm within walking distance of a few bars so i don't really drink at home that much so when i do collect stuff for the house i want it to be stuff that that you can't really get anywhere Mm -hmm. else i mean i'm not just going to have a regular bottle that you could just pick up retail so I have lots of private barrels at my house. Ooh, nice. Like, I mean, I can't even keep track of them. I should probably do some form of inventory, but I can't <laughs> even keep track of them. The bartender in you there. And a- any any particular distilleries that you lean towards or bottlings that you've had <sighs> recently that you're like, oh, So many, so many. It's tough, what, man. What, what am I tripping out on right now that I had recently? I have, oh, I was going through my, my, my stock, you know, trying to like actually setting stuff up to display. Mm-hmm. And I found a uh, uh, Weller, Ooh. A, a, a Weller foolproof, that I think was a, a private barrel from maybe 2014. Yeah, that's a that's an exceptional bourbon and one that get, gets a lot of love. But it's you know if you, if you can find it these days. Yeah, I was talking about it um, with somebody at, at the bar, and the, the customer overheard and was like. Oh my God, what do you want for it? What do you want for it? And I'm like, eh, you know, I don't really want to sell it. I'm, I'm figuring I'll just crack it open one of these days. Mm-hmm. You know what? I, I kind of have that rule where, whereby if I ever get a, a special bottle at home or whatever, the first thing I do is I, is I open and I pour a little bit. Cause I never want to, you know, like you never want to be tempted to just leave something for too long, right? This isn't wine. It's not changing in the bottle. So just no. get it open and make sure that you're, you're, you're taking care of that. Drink the spirit. Around. I generally do that. I'm a big believer in that because I believe, you know, shoot, you could get hit by a truck tomorrow. Exactly. Right? And then you, who wants to die with all this great, great boozy yeah. house. But I have so many, I can't keep up. <laughs> yeah. It's like every time I turn happen. around, there's just more stuff showing up. <laughs> you know, when you're on this side of the, of the industry, it just, it just yep. shows up and you're like, man, what am I going to do? Where'd I get, what am I going to, where am I going to put this new bottle of bland? <laughs> tough, <laughs> tough, know? tough, tough. Yeah. Tough trouble to have that one. You know, someone has to do it. You know, it's a, it's a tough job, but you know, um, y'all can sleep safe knowing that you're in good hands. And, and what about your, your professional back bars then? If, if it comes to looking at that, which style or category are you leaning into most there? And I guess that that's always dependent upon our guest and the kind of bars they run, but I'm interested to hear that too. Honestly, I like to invest more in liqueurs and modifiers rather than spirits. That makes sense. Because so much of what we do is, is cocktails. So if I get, you know, pick up, you know, 10 new bourbons for the bar, it doesn't really expand what we can do. No. But if I pick up, you know, uh, six new liqueurs and four new bitters, then it does expand what what the potential for what we can create. Not right. saying I don't necessarily have the best self control, so most likely I will buy the ten bottles of bourbon and <laughs> the the liqueurs and bitters as well because I it's hard for me to say no when something tastes delicious. But I do prefer to to invest in in liqueurs 
you know, cordials and bitters, because then I feel like it can really expand what we can create. Um, question two here for you. What ingredient or tool is the most undervalued in a bartender's arsenal? Crushed ice and pebble ice. Talk us through that. I think, I honestly wish, I think so many bars are missing opportunities to sell drinks on pebble ice. Like, honestly, not only is pebble ice really good environmentally because it's one of the most, you know, sustainable forms of ice. It, it, they're incredibly efficient. You can freeze pebbles really, really quickly. You know, for those of you out there who aren't familiar with what I'm talking about, I mean, like, um, you know, the, the little nugget ice that you get at, like, Sonic yeah. or um, Coffee Bean? Yeah. Th that little nugget ice, oh, it works so great with mojitos. It works great with brambles. It works great with so many different drinks. So many different drinks. And it's incredibly energy efficient and the machines aren't very expensive. You know, they use very, very little electricity and there's a novelty to it. I honestly don't understand why like a Friday's or Cheesecake Factory hasn't figured out how to incorporate it into their program. Like I, I don't know why it hasn't why it hasn't blown up in, in a bigger sense. I love it. Love to hear it. That's a we yes. definitely haven't had that one before. And yeah, I love to hear that take. Question number three. What's the most, most important piece of advice you've received while working in this industry? Um, here, I, I'll tell you two, two pieces of advice I got. Uh, Johnny Sander years ago told me in this industry, you're always being interviewed. And I don't think he meant interviewed like for a podcast, but rather <laughs> interviewed for a job. Mm -hmm. And he actually just reminded me, he's like, always conduct yourself professionally, you know, Tell people thank you when they invite you to events. You know, give a hundred percent when you're when you're working an event. Don't show up late. You know, uh, make sure you're you're not getting sloppy drunk when you're at industry parties, so on and so forth. He said because you're always being interviewed, mm -hmm. and you're always being gauged for your level of professionalism in our industry. So I've always taken that to mm -hmm. heart. You know, um, because because his example was like, oh, if you see some guy just like you know being being acting like a pig and getting wasted and, you know, saying, you know, offensive things to, to other people in the industry. Is that a person that you would want to represent your brand? Is that a person you would want to represent your bar? Right. Right. And I, that's always stuck with me. And um, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a close knit industry. It's a small industry despite, it despite is. how, how many people work in it. Yeah. 100%, 100%. And I've always tried to instill that in my staff. I'm like, when you're in another bar, you need to conduct yourself as though you're representing this bar. You're, if you're in a bar across town or you're at a dive bar, you, you have to remember that you're a guest in their house and you act accordingly. That's smart. Yeah. And then another bit of advice I got was this was even before I'd even started bartending. This was when I, uh, I was waiting tables. Those the, the lead bartender at this place told me, he said, the bartender is a bullshit artist. Just remember that. <laughs> <laughs> it's always stuck with me. They told me a story about how somebody came in and ordered like, I don't know, you know, uh, a purple monkey from him. And he's like, I asked her where she was when she had it because she didn't know the recipe. And he said, she said um, she had it in the Caribbean. He's like, oh, if it was in the Caribbean, I already know it's probably pineapple and it's probably rum and it's purple. So hit it with some Chambord. In Job sour done. mix, I served it to her. She said it was the best one she'd ever had. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I just always thought that was funny. That's so funny. It's true. You know, it's, uh, yeah, yeah. And that's hospitality in general. For better right? or worse. Yeah, this hospitality too, in general, right? It's just like solutions. Mm -hmm. There are, there are no problems, just only solutions. Yeah. Cause I remember I've done that for, for people when they've come in, but I'll, will flat out tell them, I won't lie to right. them, you know, and tell my no. Right. but I'll just, you know, be like, okay, Hey, I'm going to try to, I'm going to try to suss this out and use a little detective work. Now we have the internet, so we don't have to do that mm -hmm. anymore. Well, I have heard, I have heard that, you know, back in the day, this is, this is a while gone back now. This is before the modern era, but you know, the days of white Zinn, the bar runs out of white Zinn. What does the bartender do? He, he reaches for the house, oh my God. he reaches for the house white and a splash of grenadine. And there yep. you go. Wonderful. Everyone's happy. And I've seen people say, oh my God, that's the best white Zinn <laughs> I've ever had. What have you had to compare it to? You know, I yeah, know. there you go. Um, Fourth question for you. Yeah. If you could only visit one last bar in your life, um, current or prior bar, what would it be? It would be the Buena Vista in San Francisco for an Irish coffee in about 90 years. 
Nice. In a really long time from yep, now. Yep. I do want to emphasize yep, that. Yep. We're, we're, yeah, it's not happening tomorrow. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> and that's the, that the that's the bar that famously. Uh, well, there's a there's a there was a San Francisco journalist, right, that that popularized the the Irish yeah. coffee and then brought it there. I forget the gentleman's name. I do too. It's on a Vine Pair article. Check it out, guys. You can you can Google it. Yeah. He's on there. But uh, yeah, nine years from now, fantastic. Um, final question for you for today's show. If you knew that the next cocktail you drank was going to be your last, it can be different to the uh, Irish coffee here. What would you order or make? A really big margarita. So it'd take me a long time to get through. So I would die at a later date. I'm a big fan of that. Get a picture of Mark. I'm like, well, I got to finish this before I die. This is my last drink, y'all. <laughs> and then and then when you're nearly done, just get some Coronas in there too. Actually, I'll go with Modelo personally, but like get some Modelos yeah. in there. Fantastic. Yeah, it just, you know, I mean, the, the margarita, I feel like after this episode, it's, it's on the mind. But also, that might just be my, that might be my answer anyway. Yeah. In any case, it's just it's a perfect drink as as a last cocktail. I think that's a great point. It's a, it's a yeah. All of the all of the things we've mentioned today: flavorful, fruity, so many riffs, um, forgiving. What's not to like about the margarita? Well, Eric, thank you so much for joining us on today's episode. And yeah, let's 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 grab a virtual mic from the uh, a, a virtual mark from the east coast to the west coast there. Yeah, absolutely, brother. That sounds amazing. Awesome. Thank you, man. Hello. Don't mind me just sneaking in ahead of the credits here, listener. Just wanted to let you know we're going to be taking a few weeks off, but we'll be back in early January with more bartenders, cocktails, and amazing stories. From everyone at Vine Pair, we wish you a wonderful holiday season and a fantastic new year. Okay. That was a lot of info, but here's the good news. Every single episode of VinePair's Cocktail College is also published on VinePair.com as a transcript, so you can check it out there all over again. Also, if you enjoy listening to the show anywhere near as much as we enjoy making it, go ahead and hit subscribe, and please leave a rating or review wherever you get your podcasts, whether that's Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, and please tell your friends. Now for the credits. Cocktail College is recorded and produced in New York City by myself and Keith Beavers, VinePair's tastings director and all-round podcast guru. Of course, I want to give a huge shout out to everyone on the VinePair team. Too many awesome people to mention. They know who they are. But I want to give some credit here to Danielle Greenberg, art director at VinePair, for designing the awesome show logo. And listen to that music. That's a Darby Seaside original. Finally, thank you, listener, for making it this far and for giving this whole thing a purpose. Until next time.